0: Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts that are facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hi and welcome to... A very special series of Arrow Bandwidth. A whole series. A whole series dedicated to security. You better believe it. As always, you've got myself, David Fern, and myself, Richard Holmes. And our producer, as always, for this series is going to be... Hannah Jenny. Hannah Jenny. Ah, And guys, so basically the idea behind this is we went to Infosake this year. In fact, we are still here right now. Yeah, these aren't special effects in the background. No, we don't have that much money. Um... So, essentially what we've tried to do is go around, find the most interesting, innovative and and sort of exciting vendors that we have on our portfolio and basically bring them on and interview them. But do quite long interviews, sort of 15 to to 25 minutes, Mm -hmm. and essentially give you a real idea of where the top vendors think the current trends are, technology directions, and generally sort of what some of the top things that they're focusing on and concerned about in 2017 and beyond. Yeah, so if you want a Security 101 for 2017, look no further than this series. I'd like to add a Security 202. Oh, yeah, go on, man. Why not? Why not? So, look, guys, sit back, enjoy. This is going to be the next couple of months of your bandwidth listening. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Get ready for the bombshells. Yeah. To kickstart our security series, David is joined by Ronan Leonard from Irish Tech News. Enjoy!
1: I think the first question really from our perspective is sort of, what are you actually seeing as the trends, I mean, specifically, you know, in, in your your sector? What, what trends are you seeing? What are you seeing going on in, in the industry? Um, and one of the things we've sort of, we've heard a lot about over the last, sort of couple of uh, episodes that we've put together is is, is trends both strategically, so what's the sort of strategic direction that the company's taking around security? Is it, you know, cloud? Is it GDPR? Is it a combination of both? Is it? Or, and then, also, what are the more tactical sort of um, challenges and and trends around sort of dealing with, you know, the, the latest, greatest Sort of threats that have come about, like WannaCry, and how do you, how are you seeing both being combined, or are you not seeing both being combined, really?
2: Well, I guess first of all, with the trends, I'd say GDPR and cloud is big. Because next year GDPR comes into uh, comes into law, and right now the companies still don't know that it, that it's actually uh, it's going to happen. No, and they're always thinking, well plan for it last minute, as people always do. And they've got to realise that if you don't. Uh, do a plan now because if you leave this last minute, you're going to be have problems getting it all set up because your team is busy doing other things. So make sure your team has the best notice to get this done and give them at least six, seven months to plan for this. And also the yeah. cloud, most companies are using the cloud, but it's so kind of weary how secure it is. And there's ways, ways you can keep it secure. You can do a local cloud where you have an as box in your office and store it, store it there. Or use something like uh, maybe uh, Azure or Amazon to store your stuff as well on it. But you got to make sure that whenever it's been stored, you make sure who has access to these accounts and limit the access points in and out uh, of the accounts. That way, you know, less chance of it getting hacked or data being stolen. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you see as um, sort of that's more the, the
1: strategic outline, but... I think one of the problems that a lot of our customers are facing at the moment is, is how do you blend your strategic vision for security going forward, but also sort of deal with a lot of the tactical issues that come up, like, you know, these new and evolving threats like WannaCry, um, like a lot of the, the problems that have come about recently that we don't necessarily have strategic fix to we have to implement sort of tactical solutions. So how do you see those, those being blended into, into people's security, um,
2: how, how they actually go about doing security? Well, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta check if any of your systems are based on legacy software, or hardware, <coughs> and if it is, oh, that to be updated and uh, what can you update? The current stages, why are those machines still on the, on the network? Because if you're on a network, you're gonna get hacked. So, you've got to make sure that if you use no lecture software and it can't be replaced, you want to see can you, can you run it in the virtual mach- machine or else you, you take it offline and use the machine locally, only one user at a time. Because that's the biggest problem is companies are, you are like, we want to crime. The biggest problem was companies were using old versions of Office, of Office, mainly Outlook and all that, and they were using that. And that's how they were getting in because. Uh, they're able to find the leaks in the system and get into that. Now, if you can find a way of basically upgrading to a new virtual office or using an office in a virtual environment, a virtual machine, it's going to be more secure. But people at the moment, they're not thinking that. They're just thinking basically the cost of money for doing this. They got software that's going for 10 years. Why would they go and change it? Because it works for us fine. My view is it works fine. The problem is, in the long term, it will cost you more money to get it if you get a hack. Because if you get a hack, Clients find out client, they're going to leave you, you're going to get sued for losing data. So, my view is see what you can do to change this by either, as I said before, using a virtual machine, using new version of the software, or making sure the machines are using with those software hardware isn't online on your network.
1: So, you say sort of patching is critical, making sure that you've got the latest and greatest sort of security um, fixes in place.
2: Yeah. And if you have them, like for example, a lot of guys I've heard of were hacked for good. were using the Windows XP, which has no longer been supported. So my view is, why are you still using that? That should be, want you use that? You can use that in a virtual machine instead, and it's that's hack-proof.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So,
2: so I mean, that's, that's the
1: sort of the tactical stuff. But back onto the strategic views that a lot of these organisations have, and specifically GDPR, being that you know the Irish market will obviously come under. Um, EU regulation. Yeah, how, um, I mean, we've had a real mixed, um, response from the organizations we've, we've spoken to and that we've worked with around GDPR and, and sort of how they're, um, how they're going about preparing for it. How are you seeing, um, the preparation for GDPR, for the GDPR regulation next year? How, how that's sort of coming along in, in the Irish market?
2: Well, I'm actually a member of a GDPR coalition at the moment, and our aim was to raise awareness of GDPR. And when we first started off, we had maybe four or five people involved in the room. The we had 200 members plus companies involved in this. Companies wow. like a Microsoft, Dell, two smaller companies, smaller SMEs. And we want to tell them the scenario is that this time uh, in May 20, 2017, 2018, sorry, there's going to be uh, rules coming for GDPR out of 4% of your turnover or €20 million, Euro, the way you're going to be fined. And no matter who you are, like actually, if you're an Apple or a Dell or if you're someone small, you're all treated the exact same. And you have yeah. to be ready for it. So we went and we ran events throughout Ireland with uh, a type of event like maybe long, and we spent on what that to do. So we uh, actually educate them on what GDPR is, what it does, and why it should be planning now, not basically at Christmas time. So when customers, I mean, specifically
1: around GDPR piece and, and the sort of pre- preparations for it, when people come to you and, and start to talk and, and, you know, the channel and then customers are like, where do you actually suggest people start from? So I think that's one of the biggest sort of problems we've had is that first and foremost, the legislation is incredibly ambiguous, the way it's worded, the way it's sort of crafted, you know, and I think people are struggling to figure out where they start. So, you know, do you have any sort of really uh, being that you are obviously quite bold at Do you have a good sort of starting point and, and ways that people can pragmatically attack the
2: GDPR?
1: Um, elephant in the room, should we say?
2: Yeah, well, I'd so say the first thing that I'd say is start with the data because all it's about. Yeah, you know, what data are you using? That, that it has to be that is that you're using that could be shared. So you have to check what data you get from your clients, cetera, And you can look at that and think, well. How can you make sure that it's it's uh, safe and secure? And once, once you've got that narrowed down, flood if you, you then tell your clients, well, if for example you're somebody who's using basically a Survey Monkey to uh, send up questionnaires, the data then is is stored in there. You're renting so Survey Monkey, and the guy who's got to handle that. But if you do a survey internally, say you send somebody a survey be, uh, expected via uh, via email. And they respond back to you with the responses. You've got to make sure that data is basically processed and held securely and safely. So you've got to look at your data and make sure you know what data you're handling. Make sure that it's safe and secure and that if, somebody, if you're asked by any regulation bodies to show you compliance, you've got that. And also, you can get software as well. That uh, tells you how compliant you are. Buy it off the shelf, SaaS software, and that will go in, and that will tell you if you're compliant or not, and it will let you know what you have to do to be compliant.
1: Okay. So, mean further on from that, though, when you're when you're leveraging external services like Azure, like Salesforce, like um, Office three hundred and sixty five. How do you? Because obviously this is one of the one of the points that a lot of us are concerned about at the moment. How do you? How does the GDPR regulation extend into SaaS services? And obviously, when it does become appropriate for you to start to look at those services and ensuring your GDPR compliance inside those services, how are you actually going about? You know, how, how do you advise customers to start to tackle that that problem when essentially they don't have the same access they do to the data as they would? If the
2: service on-site? Well, first of all, you, you look and see where the data is basically being stored. If it's stored uh, elsewhere and it's only been accessed via SaaS model from their servers, well, then you got to make sure that your uh, whatever source product you're using, like Salesforce or Oxford, is, is, is compliant. But if any of the data is stored locally, then it's up to you to make sure it's uh, your compliance. It depends where it's stored and who's storing it.
1: Okay.
2: One thing i the
1: yeah, things I think is very important. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, one of the um, staying on the GDPR topic because it is so topical. And it's probably you know as we go around Infosec this week and, and generally as we talk to a lot of our clients, it is the top sort of strategic concern that they have. Um, <clears throat> you know, where do you see GDPR? ending, where you see essentially the sort of lines of, of demarcation from, okay, you can be fined under the GDPR regulation, or actually it's more commonly just, you know, a normal sort of data breach. And um, what I mean by that is, you know, we've had some, some guys today from some pretty major vendors tell us that, you know, what happens if someone's looking over your shoulder on the train and essentially take a photograph of your, of your, of your screen? And they capture data that way, and, and essentially, you know, customer records get breached. personal identifiable data gets breached that way. You know, I'd be interested to understand your interpretation of GDPR regulation, and and exactly where uh, where you think you know it is, it becomes essentially untenable, and, and therefore, you know, GDPR essentially starts and finishes. If you don't mind, well, so a-
2: well my view is if you're looking at. <clears throat> That kind of data on, uh, on any of your devices, whether where you are, that's still basically that device, in theory, is probably a company device. So once you're on a company device anywhere in the world, then you're still uh, on the regulations that the company is uh, is the one to, who have got to uh, make sure it's compliant. So... If you have a laptop and you, you you set it on the train and sort of picture of of of, your, of what you're actually uh, working on, that laptop is still company property. So the company is liable not just yourself. You've got to make sure that wherever you are, that there's no uh, there's no way that you whatever you're working on can be seen by somebody else. And maybe you're to see, if you're working on anything uh, sense sensitive data, you don't do it in somewhere in open place. And also maybe don't go somewhere where there's Apple Wi-Fi where it's immediately uh, hack into So, you know,
1: Wi-Fi what, what, what brings us on to a completely different topic around, you know, when we're talking about these sort of um, securing mobile devices, you know, I mean, one of the things that we've seen is a, is a huge proliferation now of tighter and tighter and tighter, MDM technologies, data breach prevention technologies. Um, yeah, how, you know, what's the maturity of, of sort of mobility um, security solutions in the Irish market? Is it, you know, is actually user, are they becoming more and more prevalent or are they still sort of um, a bit of an afterthought after securing the core, securing, you know,
2: the, the Wi-Fi um, where's the most maturity of that particular market? It's still growing slowly because people aren't fully aware of this yet. and People should be more, more uh, moving towards the VSM where you're using the VPN to basically make sure your Wi-Fi isn't, uh, your traffic isn't it's an Because at the moment, you get scenarios where you can create a pay station, And if you're in, uh, say, Starbucks, and you're, you're actually actually actual Wi-Fi there, Somebody can create a fake, a fake uh, Starbucks Wi Fi account, and once you access it to that, they can take over and control all data that's coming on, the, on, the, on your, uh, your device, be a tablet or phone or a or laptop. And if you use using VPN and they're very careful and know what you're going into, it's fine. But also, another thing to worry about of is that normally when you go into, um, if you're using the Wi Fi of a certain account all the time, whenever you go there, it actually logs on you got to make sure every time you're doing that that you know for definitely it is the Wi-Fi account you're using and not somebody else spoofing that. Because if someone spoofs that account, you're giving them an open access to whatever you're doing. And the moment companies in Ireland are slowly re- coming to realise this is happening, but nothing's done yet for this. But I think over the next few months, as GDPR becomes a much more a, a relevant news topic, people will more or told, more be told or forced into making sure that wherever you are, be safe, be secure.
1: Yeah, that's
2: a very, very, very good
1: uh, good way to put it. And then, obviously, outside of the technology, um, how much importance do you think organisations need to put, and how much focus do you think they need to put specifically around end user training and, and making sure that you know end users are skilled up and, and able to um, you know to stop essentially doing the basics, you know, exposing data, clicking on the wrong links, you know, how, how much importance do you think organizations need to place on, on that piece to, to become GDPR
2: compliant? Very important. I think that a, a, every employee in the company should be actually given <clears throat> a memory report on what phishing is. So every now and again, you do a blind test where you, where you email people in the company, send them an email, with a link and see how many click in that link, and then when they click in the link,
1: <laughs> I like your style. That's a great yeah. show.
2: Yeah, and when they click on the link and they were told it's a phishing link, then put a video on YouTube or somewhere else that tells them what they've done wrong. And also, the biggest thing is that once you assume basically that uh, you, once you, once someone sends you an email, don't don't assume that it's because going to send you that uh, that it must be good. So, for example. You have a client from another organization send you an email. Don't assume that eh, because it's sent in a young very world well, that it's not been hacked or there's nothing bad on there. You, you can't guarantee that. The only way you can guarantee is if you have an email like, uh, like a month ago, one of the welfare barriers company in Ireland, the health service in Ireland, they took every machine offline. Only email was, was going with internal email because then they guaranteed that email was only internally nothing to, to getting in or out so if you can guarantee 100% that the email you're receiving is genuine, that's great but you can't do that especially if you've got a system where even if your boss emails you because your boss's email is also going to be linked to, external, to access outside as well you can't guarantee it's not somebody else doing that so yeah. education is a key and make sure so to know, know that when they're actually accessing all kind of uh, this kind of email, or different kind of products if, for example, they get links, downloads, and latest software, most of them should have it actually in the system. But you can't it or anything to a firewall unless the IT guys okay this. So, they're not going to do that. If they're going to install it on the machine, it's them not you. <clears throat> so, I mean, I suppose that, that brings us to a point around, you know, a lot of companies
1: go with the approach of open everything and then close yeah, you know, either as they see risks, or based on based on the list. But based on that, would you advocate organisations went for the um, close everything and then open as
2: required? Yeah, that's what I would recommend because at least that way. You're you knowing what's going to happen because if, if a new threat comes along, you this part for that because otherwise, the open policy means if something if a new threat comes on the horizon, we won't know that until it's too late. Whereas with a closed approach, you guarantee safety. And also, I mean, for example, in certain companies, if you're using a certain browser like you use Microsoft Edge, they won't allow you to install another browser because they're not sure how safe and secure it is. Yeah. And also, the IT department, if you tell them I want to install some new software on my, on my, on my device, they'll come down and do it for you and make sure that the, whatever you're installing is safe and secure. Because yeah. it takes one person to to send uh, something, and then
1: everything goes haywire. Fantastic. Uh, Ronan, do you mind if we go ever so slightly um, off the question just for one minute, just because I've got a really interesting question that comes up all the time, um, yeah. that's quite, which no one's ever really given me a particularly good answer to, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. It's about IoT. It's about specifically, and I don't know. And I hope I'm guessing you've heard this terminology before around the collision of sort of traditional IT department and essentially, you know, building facilities management, IoT, smart infrastructure that runs on top of or alongside or or as part of essentially the the IP-based network but essentially isn't secured by or well, isn't the responsibility from a security standpoint of the IT, the traditional IT organization. The sort of facilities guys, so the guys who are managing smart you know lighting smart buildings smart cities don't necessarily have the now around security so essentially the devices that are now proliferating our homes and our businesses and our and our cities become fantastic attack vectors for, for hackers now essentially when you you know, we call it IT versus OT so information technology versus operational technologies you know, do you see any move towards any organization starting to, to, to come about this? And, and if so, what have you seen and, and how are you seeing this combat? Because this is, a, this is a big problem that a lot of people, you know, alongside GDPR and things are starting to really find is actually a genuine threat in their networks.
2: Well, at the moment, uh, I've seen uh, as IOT is more prevalent, people are, are accepting IOT into their homes, and they're not realising that the devices I have, has got a full password, probably 0000. zero, zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And once you've accessed, even a smart toaster or a smart coffee maker, once you've accessed that, anything else in your home is open game. So they then access that. The next thing to go for your router, anything else, your laptop, your uh, tablets, if you've got Amazon Alexa in your, in, your, in your home or anything else, like that's the goal for that. And then your home kit. And then it's can excess, basically, your home. Heating, heating suppliers and all different things. They can actually go in and maybe change uh, your heating requirements. So you might get a heavy bill or turn up totally. that so you might freeze. things they can do. And people are got to realise that uh, IET can be good provided you know how it's been used and provided you know that when you get the device always change the password don't keep the default. like years ago with your voicemail on your phone most guys kept it at zero, 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 zero not knowing that, what, what damage you could do by having that so with this you've got to go in and tell them educate them what devices you're in-house Tell them our IoT devices and what they can do and also if you're a business for example like for example a few years ago when, they, uh, when, the, when Stuxnet attacks their, uh, the Iranian nuclear power plants, what it did then was pretty devastating. If that was to come into some like the UK or, or uh, anywhere in the world, like a par- power centre, like a one-day supply, just, just go in there and shut it down or make it overload, that's dangerous as well. and That could happen just as easy. So yeah. no matter what, you got to make sure that home users and the mainstream office users and big users... Are aware that nothing's safe and IoT, sadly, is the next uh, uh, way of hacking things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, so for us, you know, being Arrow, being who we are, and obviously having a huge IoT business, I think it's, it's ever more prevalent for us. You know, I think we really, really want to take a, a leadership role in obviously being, being able to bring together those two parts of business. So it's fascinating to get your opinion on it. Um, Lastly, because I appreciate we're running out of time, and I hope I can get one more question in, but it's one of the other strategic imperatives that we've found lots of our customers and lots of our vendors talking about, both at InfoSec, but also um, in the wider sort of uh, general engagements that we have with them, which is around, you know, that taking, you know, essentially on-prem security that's sat inside of a, a nice metal box in a data center, and essentially stretching that out and essentially moving to, first and foremost, a software-defined network, or a software-defined security strategy, and then essentially stretching that out into the hybrid and, and the public cloud. You know, what, how, would you, yeah, how would you describe, A, the maturity of that market in the Irish market, and secondly, sort of where are you seeing organizations um, take that
2: technology and, and,
1: and essentially deploy that in that way?
2: Well, I guess at the moment... This market is is uh, slowly uh, growing and growing yeah. because as we more so adopt the cloud, we're more than seeing that the cloud is here to stay, and uh, especially hybrid cloud now because hybrid cloud is something that is been more it's been used a, a lot more now because when you get a hybrid cloud, people are more reassured because it's not pure cloud. So they think, okay, I can have something control over uh, how my data is stored and what my software is doing, and uh, the moment they they, they feel that they have so much control over what they're doing, they feel more reassured. But also, I, I guess that with the hybrids, as I, it's becoming more prevalent, people are got to be, be more aware that when a, when a new trend uh, becomes more popular and, and used a lot more, that's going to be the next biggest thing. That's going to be uh, going to be as a, a, a security threat. For example, at the moment, when you have somebody that people are using, for example. Uh, but they're using basically uh, Microsoft uh, products as a hybrid stuff. The more people use that, the more chances are it's going to be hacked because there's a wider audience base. You know, hackers will always go for something that's been used by that people. They won't waste time on going for something that's 2% in the market. Not nothing. They go for the wider market, the biggest market share. That's where they're going to make the biggest gains. Okay. Thank
1: you very, very much for your time. I really
0: appreciate it. You enjoyed that? I did. Don't forget, this is part of a the series. There will be one next week. Um, if you want to join the conversation, please, please do so at hashtag Arrow on Twitter. And don't forget to check out the show notes where there's loads of really important resources and, uh, and generally sort of part of the conversation you find that at the uh, Arrow Hub. You will indeed. You will indeed. And guys, look, if you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. We cover loads of topics. We've got tons of back catalogue. It's a great opportunity to learn and get educated. So please do listen. And, uh, yeah, come back next week. Come back, subscribe, catch up. Thank you very much. Have a good week. Bye.